Hey, Greystone. Jim Dunn here. Uh, my wife, Mary Jane, and I are your missionaries in Brazil. I was born and raised in the church, uh, the Baptist church in southern Florida. And so I was always around churchy kind of stuff. But I really never experienced God until I was a teenager. I actually had a really rough upbringing, a uh, very abusive father. Um, I was living on the street when I was 11 years old. I was in and out of uh, juvenile detention up until I was 16. Uh, drug addiction, alcoholism, just really rebellious loser, <laughs> basically. And uh, everybody was always trying to tell me, hey, you need to get saved. You need to stop drinking, stop smoking, obey your parents, do all these things, and then I could experience God. But actually, it wasn't until I got around a group of Christians who loved me for who I was. They didn't condone what I did. They didn't accept what I did, but they loved me. And they truly shared the love of Christ with me. And that is when I experienced God and gave my life to the Christ. And so when my relationship with him really changed is when I was like, Lord, I want to experience you to the fullest. I want to follow you. I want to do exactly what you want me to do, and which is a very dangerous prayer to pray. Um, but, man, it's been amazing because once that happened, uh, he actually, we were pastors at a church for almost 10 years uh, here in the Atlanta area. Loved what we did, loved the people we were serving with, but we felt like he was calling us to a different country. And so we actually left seven and a half years ago. We've been experiencing God every single day in Brazil without a major missions organization behind us. Um, when we left, we only had $400 a month promised to us. Uh, we actually adopted five Brazilian children, so we have eight kids all together. But yet God has been so faithful just because we have been following him and actually following him, not just adding him to our life. Um, and we're able to experience God every single day as we follow him there in Brazil. If you want to experience God, truly go to him and ask him what he wants you to do. So rather than doing it like we normally do it, where we have our plans, you know, the school we want to go to, the, the career we want to pursue, the state we want to move to, the thing we want to do, rather than us trying to ask God to bless those plans, why not go to him and be like, Lord, I want to follow you for the rest of my life, and I want you to show me uh, what it is that you want me to do. And man, you will experience God in that. And actually, my favorite scripture is 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10, and it says this. It says, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for us, for the things done in the body, whether good or evil. And so we, if we live our life in light of the fact that, man, I could have been taking my last few breaths right now, so why not spend that time following Him and experiencing Him to the fullest right now? I want to let you guys know, uh, Jennifer and I are heading down to Honduras first thing in the morning. So we're excited about that. I want to ask you all to pray for us. Our son Jolin's going with us. He's going to be taking video and and pictures, and, and we're going with Compassion International. We're going to meet meet the pastor down there and meet the project director for the Compassion International. Hopefully, we're going to meet a lot of the kids that a lot, a lot of us are supporting. We're going to take pictures and, and video. We're going to lay the groundwork for our mission trip this summer. We're also excited because we're going to be able to present the pastor with the $20,000 check to do the water assistance that we gave her the Christmas offering. And so we're... Super excited about that. You guys pray for us. It's going to be a short trip. We'll be back on uh, Wednesday afternoon. So we're just flying down, doing all this, and, 
and coming back. So uh, let me welcome our Oconee campus, our Walton campus, everybody who's watching uh, online. Today we begin a new series called Experiencing God. And I am super excited about this series. Jennifer and I went through this 23 years ago. God used it to shape our lives and shape our ministry. I'm going to share a little bit more of some of the stories of how God has used it in our, in our lives over the last 23, 24 uh, years. I can't wait to see what God does in your life because I think God can use it to completely change your life and draw you closer to Him and into a closer, more intimate relationship uh, with Him. And so the next seven weeks, uh, I'm going to be sharing the seven realities of experiencing God. And in the back of everyone's workbook, there is this diagram. And this diagram summarizes uh, the next seven weeks. Uh, the first one we're talking about today is that God is at work. He's at work all around us. And through our intimate personal relationship with him, he invites us into his work. And God speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through circumstances. He speaks to us through other people uh, in our lives. And then we all come to this crisis of faith or this crisis of, of belief uh, where we have to, to step out and, and we trust God. And then we make this adjustment. We adjust our lives to get onto God's agenda. Instead of asking God to get onto our plans and, and our agenda, we actually adjust our lives and we get onto His plan and His agenda. And as we're obedient to Him and as we step out in faith and as we, we trust Him, it draws us closer, more intimate, and we experience God in a way that we've never experienced Him before. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, over the next seven weeks. We're encouraging everyone to pick up one of these books, as Josh mentioned uh, earlier. Uh, we have daily devotions. It'll be five days a week. Beginning tomorrow is day one. There'll be videos on social media that go with each, each day that you can check out uh, as well. So you can pick these books up at guest services. If you miss a day, it's five days per week. So if you miss a day, you can catch it up on Saturday or Sunday. So we'll be going through... Uh, the book together. And so before we dive into reality one today, I want us to, to lay some groundwork. I want to remind us of some things. I mean, this, this book's old school. You can kind of see it. it's old school. A lot of our small groups, the, the videos are a little old school, but we're, we're getting back to the basics. And I want to make sure we understand certain principles, certain biblical truths before we dive into Reality number one. And so we've got the notes there. We have a lot more notes than normal. And so I'm going to try to slow down a little bit and give everybody enough time to, to take some notes. So, so here's kind of the introduction laying the groundwork for the study. Uh, number one is the Bible is your guide for faith and practice. The Bible, the Word of God, is your guide for faith and practice. The Bible is the authority of our lives. And when we're looking and seeing where God's at work, God's never going to do anything that's contrary to the Word of God. He's never going to lead us to do anything that is against the principles and Scripture, against the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is our personal teacher. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. He's the one who guides us, and he's the one who speaks to us through the Word of God, and then we apply the Word of God to our lives. Number two, Jesus is your way. 
Jesus is your way. Now, now in our day and age, we all have GPS, right? Like in, in, in our cars, and some of us who have older cars, they don't have the GPS, but, but we have it on our phones. And so when Jennifer and I are going anywhere, she's typically, I'm typically the driver, and she's typically my navigator, right? And she's got the GPS on her phone, and I just do whatever she tells me to do. That works well for husbands, okay? You just do what your wife tells you to do. I don't know where we're going. I don't know how to get there. She's just telling me each step of the way, and I'm just following the directions, right? So sometimes it leads us down dirt roads and crazy places. Our relationship with God is the same. Jesus is our way. See, we, we, want, we want Jesus to give us, give me the map, give me the game plan, give me the next five years, the next 10 years, the next 20 years. Let me see where we're going, and then, then, then I know. And Jesus says, I'm not going to give you a map. Jesus says, I am the map. I'm not going to give you the way. I am the way. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. He says, follow me. He doesn't give us the specifics. <laughs> and as we follow Jesus, as we step out in faith, and as we trust him, he's going to give us the next direction. Right? He's going he's to call out where, where, where we go next. We have to be faithful to go where he's calling us, and then he leads us to the next step. Jesus is your way. Number three, to be a servant of God, you must be moldable and remain in the hand of the master. To be a servant of God, you must be moldable and remain in the hand of the master. I want to read the passage in Jeremiah chapter 18. Verses 1 through 6 says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me and said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hands, Israel. We are clay in the potter's hands. God is molding us and shaping us and making us into the person of God, into the man of God, into the woman of God, into the student of God that he he wants us to be. He shapes us into the tool the instrument that he wants to use to fulfill his purposes and his plan. And so we're moldable. We have to allow God to to mold us and shape us, but also we have to remain in the master's hand. We have to, to stay in the presence of God so that we know the purposes of God. We have to make ourselves available. We walk with God so that so that he can use us. Number four, to know God you must experience him. To know God, you must experience him. Now, the knowing is so much more than head knowledge. Okay, it's a, it's a relationship. John 17, 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so in order to have eternal life, we have to know God, and we know his son, Jesus Christ. And knowing God doesn't come from coming to church. It doesn't come through following this list of 
of do's and don'ts. Knowing God comes from a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's an intimate, loving relationship. And as we get to know God, we get to know the heart of God and what's close to the heart of God. And what's close to the heart of God needs to become close to our hearts. And we begin to to shift our lives from being self-centered to being God-centered, being being God-focused. And when we obey Him, God does things through us that only He can do. And as we see God work in our lives, we begin to experience Him more. And and that's what this study is all about. I I really want to encourage you to go along with us in your daily devotions, because it's designed to help us develop a close, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 10, 10, he says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. And if we want to live the abundant life, we want to live the the full life. That life is lived in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Number five, God is love, and his will is always best. God is love, and his will is always best best. Proverbs 20, 24 says, a person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their way? Each day, God is directing our steps. And everything happens in our lives because because God loves us, and he has the best plan for our lives. And God cannot make a mistake because, number six, God is all-knowing and his directions are always right. God is all-knowing, and his directions are always right. God knows all things. He understands things that we could never understand. He sees things that we could never see. And God directs our steps. He directs our paths because he knows all things. Number seven, God is all-powerful, and he can enable you to do his will. God is all-powerful, and he can, can enable you to do his will. When we believe that God's will is always best, like we're going to trust God no matter what, we're going to do what he calls us to do, even if it doesn't make sense to us, he can demonstrate his power through our lives. God can empower us to do his will. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according in order to fulfill his good purpose. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Are you catching what I'm throwing? So, so God loves us. He cares for us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants what is best for us. And what's best for us is living in a personal, intimate relationship with him. And as we get to know him and we understand what's close to the heart of God, our lives change and we, we move from being self-centered to God-centered. And we become more sensitive to what God is doing and how he's moving, how he's working around us. And he invites us to, to join him, to be a part of what he's doing, to get on to his plan, his agenda for our lives. And so with that groundwork laid, let, let's, let's dive into reality number one. Reality number one is God is always at work around you. God is always 
at work around you. Like right now, this morning, today, God is moving. God is, God is working. He's at, he's at work in our lives and in our families and in our community and in our church. God has always been involved in orchestrating his purposes and his plan. God is the creator of the universe. He, he spoke the universe into being, but he's also the sustainer of the universe. Like God didn't just create the universe, set it into motion, and, and, and go on an eternal vacation, right? He is the sustainer of the universe. He's actively involved in everything that's going on. A sparrow doesn't fall to the ground apart from the will of God. And God always takes the initiative and he involves people in his work, which is so exciting for us because God chooses to use his people to accomplish his purposes. When God wanted to judge the world, he went to Noah, right? When God wanted to start a nation and begin a nation for himself, he went to Abraham. When God wanted to rescue the Israelites out of Egypt, he goes to to Moses. God uses his people to accomplish his purposes. Big part of the study is looking at the example of Jesus. And I want us to look in John chapter 5, and we see this, this pattern happen in Jesus' life. John chapter 5, verse 17 says, In his defense, Jesus said to them, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Skip down to verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. And so, so we see this, this pattern. Uh, the father has been working right up until now. The Father has been working right up until now. Jesus says, my Father is always at his work to this very day. And then Jesus says, now God has me working. Now God has me working. Verse 17, my Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Jesus joins God in his work. God wants us to join him in his work. Like Jesus didn't come up with the plan and then ask God to bless the plan. No, Jesus saw where God was working, and then he joined God in his work. He says, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son does. And so Jesus says, I do nothing on my own initiative. I do nothing on my own initiative. Jesus doesn't do his own thing and ask God to, to bless it. No, he sees what the Father is doing, and then he joins the Father. Are you all with me? All right? And so I do what I see the Father is already doing. I do what I see the Father is already doing. He says the Father loves me. For the Father loves the Son 
and shows him all he does. So we see the love relationship there. The Father loves me. He shows me everything that he himself is doing. He shows me everything that he himself is doing. And so, so we see this pattern in the Bible, right? We see, we see the example of Jesus, that God is at work, that, that, that Jesus, God asked Jesus to join him in his work. Uh, and then he ends up doing what it is that God the Father has asked him to do. He knows that he loves him. And God shows him what he wants him to do. And I think we could go out throughout Scripture and see over and over and over again, from Noah to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to to Moses to Joshua, and all the way down, how God uses his people. And we have all these examples. But what about our lives? What does God want to do in our lives? Do you see God working? Do you see God moving? Are you sensitive to his spirit every day? As you wake up each day and study the scriptures and you you spend time with God and you walk with God, do you know what it is that he wants you to do? That's what this series is about. John 12, 26 says, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. So let's get a little practical here. Let's, let's get practical for how, how do we actually do this. Uh, number one, or find out where the master is, and that is where you need to be. Find out where God is, and that's where you need to be. We know the purpose of God as we enter into the presence of God. Okay, when, we, when we push into the presence of God and we spend time in his word, and he gives us the instructions. And we have the Holy Spirit to empower us and guide us and direct us. We're sensitive to his guiding and his leading in our lives. We stay close to the master. The closer we stay to God, the better we know him, and the better we know what he wants us to do. Number two is watch and see where God is working and join him. Watch and see where God is working and join him. Now, over the last 23 years, I have applied these principles to my life and to, to my ministry. Uh, Jennifer, I, I mentioned we went through this study at our first year of marriage, and it completely changed our lives, going from being self-centered to being God-centered. And, 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 and what, what is God doing? So the question I'm always asking is, where is God moving, and how can I join him? Like, what's God up to? And every, situ- every situation I'm in, hey, where is God moving here? Does he want me to be a part of it? How can I be a part of it? What, what would he lead me to do? I want to share a personal uh, story with you guys. I want to go back 17 years. Uh, Jennifer and I are living in Texas. Uh, we had just built a house, a brand new house. We picked everything out. If anybody's ever built a house, you know, like you, de- you got the design and you're picking everything out. And, you know, it's like a, like a brand new house. It was perfect for us. Uh, Jolyn and Julia were, were little. Jolyn's playing T-ball. You know, the ballpark was right down the road from our house. Uh, you know, two minutes uh, from our house. Uh, Julia was doing dance. Uh, we ate Mexican food four nights a week because Mexican food in Texas is incredible. 
I was about 12 pounds heavier then than I am now because of all the Mexican food. Jennifer's parents lived two hours away. They were in Waco, Texas, and life was good. Uh, Jennifer and I uh, both served full-time at a church, Bear Valley Community Church. Jennifer was a children's pastor. I was the young adult pastor. Uh, my job was to reach out to young families, invite them to church, share the gospel with them, get them plugged into small groups. We did that through sports, which was great for me. So, I, I, you know, played church softball and basketball, and we had golf tournaments, and, and things were rocking and rolling. We also uh, had started a, a ministry planting churches, and we were planting churches alongside of college campuses. Uh, Jennifer and I have been in college ministry for years. We still had a heart for college students, so we planted church. University of Texas is in Arlington, right there by the ballpark in Arlington where the Rangers play. And we got that one up and running, turned that one over to another pastor. We sent one of our guys down to TCU, Texas Christian University. We planted a church down there right across from the campus. We were making plans to start a church at SMU there in in Dallas. We were in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I'm at a church planners conference. And I meet, I meet this guy named John Reeves. Some of you may know John Reeves. And John Reeves and I hit it off. He had planted a church at Clemson, and he would planted one at University of Georgia, and he was trying to plant one at Georgia Tech. And so we were, we were talking about planting college churches, and we got to talking about church planting. I said, hey, I've got some friends in Atlanta. You're from Atlanta. I've got some friends in Atlanta that were talking to Jennifer and I about moving to Atlanta and, and planting a church. And uh, he said, well, Atlanta's pretty big. You know, what part of Atlanta? I said, Grayson, this little, this little town, Grayson, Georgia. And John Reed's like, you're not going to believe this, but I live in Grayson. And I planted a church in Grayson. And we're, meet, we're meeting in my house. He said, we had like, four, they had like 40, 40 people. And I was like, well, that's incredible. I need to get my friends hooked up with, with you, and you got the church going. Maybe you're the, you know... Now, they want me to plant a church, but maybe you're the guy, and, you know, because things are going really good for us in Texas, right? Two days later, I get a phone call from John Reeves. He said, hey, man, uh, great meeting you. We want to fly you out to Atlanta. We want to fly you here. We want to pay for everything, and you just, you just come check it out. I didn't know what he was up to. And I felt God, okay, well, God's opening some doors here, so we take a step of faith. We clear the schedule, and... We come to Atlanta. Uh, my two good friends who were here and inviting us to plant the church, Robbie and Dina Pennington, and Larry and Lisa McDaniel. Uh, Larry McDaniel had a discipleship group uh, with about eight college students. You know some of the guys who were in his discipleship group. Adam Wilson, Jim Hollinsworth, Matt Shirley. I'm not sure who all was in the, the group. And so we all got together and played basketball. And uh, we, were, we were playing basketball together, and, and I, re- I still remember it. And uh, John Reeves was there, and he brought some people from his church. Tony Dudish was there, Tony and Becky Dudish, Don Shackleton, Don and Tana Shackleton. Some of y'all know them. And, and I remember John Reeves saying, I think you know more people here than I know. And I got to thinking about it. It's like, yeah. I know Murray and Shanda Bell who live here, and I know Andy and Kim Dyer, and I know Stacy and Katie Wilson, and we, we, I knew a lot of people because I was on staff at, at West Georgia College, and a lot of people were from this area, and I thought, man, what's God up to? God's at work. God is, 
God is, we weren't looking for anything because things were going great. But maybe God's moving. Maybe God's working. And I went back. I mean, Jennifer didn't come on the trip with me. I was by myself. I'd slept at the Reeves house. They have like six kids. And uh, I get back, and I say, I think, I think God's moving. I think God's working. And Jennifer says, hey, time out. Hang on a second. We just built our new house, right? I mean, we've been in there a few months. My parents live two hours away. The kids are settled. You know, we've got this great elementary school. Where we, I mean, I would walk Joe into school. That's how close we were. The church was just five minutes. Like, like we were in this perfect location. We love Mexican food. Did I mention that <laughs> earlier? And then I get another phone call from John Reeves. So I couldn't figure out what John was up to. Like, why does he want me to come to Grayson and plant a church if he's already planted a church? He said, hey, if God leads y'all to move to Grayson to plant a church, we're going to go start a church in South Carolina, and I'm going to see if you could take over our church, see if our people could join you. And God began to open these doors and and open these, these opportunities and we talked to our church, and they weren't wanting us to leave. But once they saw that God was calling us to do it, they got behind us, and they, they supported us. And that was the big question Jennifer had. She's like, where's the money? So I don't think about those things. Because I'm the, I'm the step of faith guy, but Jennifer's more the practical, like, well, how are we going to do this? You know? and, and we stepped out, and it was a struggle. We stepped out in faith, and... And we had churches and family and friends supported us and, and helped us start it. And then we had a crisis of belief. Our new house that we loved, we put it on the market and it wouldn't sell. We couldn't, our house wouldn't sell. And it came time to, to move because we, we were wanting the kids to start school in the fall here. And so... We stepped out in faith. We had this crisis of belief. Maybe God doesn't want us to, to go because our house isn't selling. Do you ever do that? You know, you start questioning things and you have these doubts. And, and so, no, I think God's calling us to do it. And so we loaded up everything we owned in three pods, sent those to Atlanta. We piled in the, the swagger wagon, uh, in the Camry. Uh, Joel and Julia were six and four. We had a dog named Stitch. And we came rolling into Grayson with no place to live to start Greystone Church. We make this major life adjustment, which is reality number six. And then reality number seven, as we're obedient, and there were steps of faith all along the way. Now I'm taking out a lot of details. We had to trust God. But as we're obedient, we grew closer to God. And we experienced Him like we've never experienced Him before. And we saw Him move and, and open opportunities for us. And we, we lived with friends the, the first couple of weeks here. And, and God was just orchestrating His, his plan. And so the question is, and this is big, as we close up reality number one, the question is not as what is God's will for my life. 
The question is, what is God's will? Because remember, it's not about us, it's about Him. What is His will? What is His plan? What is His agenda? And, and how, how does He want me to be a part of it? How can I join Him? And then we make a life adjustment as we step out in faith, and we're obedient to do what it is that God has called us to do. Our faith grows, and then we know Him better. We have a closer relationship with Him. And the more we step out in faith, the more we know him, the more we're able to determine if it's really his voice who's speaking to us. And we're going to get into that uh, as the series goes. So I'm excited about us jumping into this series together. The next seven weeks are going to be great. All right, let me pray for us. God, I thank you that you are a personal God. I, think that, I thank you that you want us to know you intimately. It's not just know of you or head knowledge of you, but it's having a personal relationship with you. And I pray for everyone in our church, God, everyone who's going through the experience in God's study, that through this series, God, you would draw us to yourself. You would draw us closer to you. That the things that are on your heart would become the things that are on our hearts. And God, we would begin to live our lives with a God-centered Mentality, And we would be sensitive to your word, sensitive to your spirit, sensitive to your leading. And God, we would be willing to, to step out in faith. We'd be willing to make major life adjustments to get onto your plan and your agenda for our lives. And I pray the same for our church, our, our body of Christ, our family. That we're open to what it is, God, that you are calling us and leading us to do. And I pray, God, that through this process, we will all grow closer to you. And our faith will deepen. And our faith will strengthen. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.